Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Courtney Mom is the author of The Year of the Horses, a memoir. She is also the author of three acclaimed novels, as well as a popular guidebook before and after the book deal. Her other novels include Touch and Costa Alegre, and she has been on this podcast to discuss both of those already, so you can flip back through the episodes and listen to those if you haven't gotten enough after this episode. But by the way, Before and After the Book Deal is a writer's guide to finishing, publishing, promoting, and surviving your first book, which many of you out there could probably use. A nominee for the Joyce Carol Oates Prize, Courtney's writing has been widely published in such outlets as the New York Times and O, the Oprah Magazine, and her short story, This Is Not Your Fault, was turned into an Audible original. She is the founder of the collaborative artist residency, The Cabins, host of the monthly Writing of Fiction series at Edith Wharton's The Mount, and she pens the bi-monthly newsletter, Get Published, Stay Published, out of her house in Litchfield County, where she lives with her daughter, husband, and cat. There she is. Welcome, Courtney. <laughs> this is what your third time on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Touch, Costa Alegre, so, yeah. <laughs> Year of the Horses. <laughs> I mean, amazing. So exciting. 
Thank you for having me again. <laughs> um, I said to Kyle at the beginning of the book, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm reading about Courtney Mom's depression. And he's like, was she depressed because she got stuck in Mexico? <laughs> I was like, writing that other novel? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No, that was a, that was a very happy, happy uh, time in my life. <laughs> okay. So what, we met, what, two years ago? I am, I was so surprised by everything in this book. I did not know. I had like a totally different, not, I don't even know, perception of, of you. I like, I'm, I, I am just, I was like, really? And I flipped, I'm like, this is her book, right? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, I mean, you know what, that actually makes me happy to hear because something I think that so many of us struggle with, and I'm sure that you fall into this camp because, you know, you're a public person and people look at your social media and everything you're doing. And they, they must, many people must think, oh my gosh, Zibi has it all. She's doing it all. She's spinning all the plates. And as you well know, social media is fun and, you know, to a certain extent it can be authentic, but it, it's also sort of becomes our job to, um, (laughs) let's see, you know, look a certain way in public. Right. And, and I, I do think, unfortunately, that social media has allowed us to become lazy and kind of poor friends to one another because we rely a little bit too much on the feed, the social Mm -hmm. media feed to stand in for what might actually be happening in someone's life. So right, you, you see people out and about and they'll say, oh my gosh, it looks like from Instagram, like you're doing all the things, you're in all the places and that blocks you from actually being able to say, how you really are. Cause what are you going to do? Negate yourself, you know, or say, Oh no, those images are fake. Right. It, it's a, it's a very delicate dance. And it's, I think with the pandemic, a silver lining is that people are a little bit more tuned to saying, but are you really okay? You know, mm-hmm. what's really going on? And I'm, I'm happy to see, I'm happy to see that shift, but yeah, certainly people, I, I, you know, I think really you're that we have a lot in common. Like I'm a taskmaster. I do the things I time management really well. And it wasn't convenient for a lot of people in my life for me to fall apart. <laughs> so they, they kind of decided not to see it. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. First of all, your childhood. So you grew up in Greenwich and your dad was on wall street in the city and yeah, you like went to World Greenwich Academy or something like the that. Whole thing, and, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you owned a horse and. Well, we, I thought we owned a horse, but it turned out it was a lease, but okay, you know, saying, that's, still. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's yeah. the same, whatever. Partial lease. Yeah. With like partial it, it was leases. A, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but fine. Yeah, it was still a very fortunate, privileged childhood, yeah. <laughs> and yet, there was so much that was going on, like, in every family. Like, that doesn't mm-hmm. protect you from everything. The story about your brother, well, his health issues, and the moment in the pool where you found him sort of floating in the pool and resuscitated him with his seizures and everything. And, you know, you, you explain later what they found out about his dual sort of heart condition or whatever it was actually causing it. But that you felt this need to be this perfectionist while your brother was really suffering. And I feel like that often happens when there's a, a problem, right? That, that some child soaks up all the attention, or maybe you were just going to be like that anyway. But mm-hmm. I don't know, speak about like him growing up with him, like your whole family dynamic and how it had to sort of take that 
the bounce and the, you know. Yeah, my 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 brother's health issues started to manifest when he was just turning five and I was about nine, which coincided with the dissolution of my parents' marriage, which I, I was not a coincidence. My dad only wanted one child. He now has five. <laughs> but um, he really did you know, he wanted one kid and my mom fought and fought. She really wanted a second, a second child. And, um, by the time my brother's health illness, health issues began, my dad was just checked out in many, in many ways. And, um, he, it, 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 it's like, hard to speak about because it was so opaque back then. The, the best doctors in the country could not figure out what was going on with my brother. He kept having these sudden cardiac arrests, you know, which is a five, six, seven-year-old is incredibly dangerous and rare. And he was, my mom more or less moved into this hotel room by the Yale New Haven Children's Hospital. And, you know, I was I was alone a lot. I, I stayed with friends. I eventually ended up moving into my father's house in high school. When my brother's health had just completely deteriorated. And I don't know, I just, self-sufficiency to me became absolutely crucial. It was the only way I could see to go forward. I mean, I, when I moved in with my dad, he lived in this development called Conyers Farm, which is actually where the Greenwich Polo Club is. And you know, my friends were really far away, but I couldn't stand just being locked up in this house. My dad was never there. I didn't know where he was. And I started like long distance biking. I, my dad, I, I credit him for this. I really do. He wouldn't give me an allowance. You know, it's Greenwich in the eighties. My fen- friends were very fancy. And I talk about this in the book. They're going out for sushi. They're doing all these things. And, um, I wanted to at least be at the table, right? The literal, so I started, I think my first job was when I was 13 and I always had a job, which was very unusual <laughs> in my social circle. And that the, the feeling that if I can rely on myself emotionally, financially, professionally, that I'll be okay has never left me. And that, that's what made my unraveling so hard for me because I was in denial about it myself because I'd always just risen to the occasion, you know, no matter what I'd worked through it. I'm a solution finder. That's sort of my forte. And I fell apart, you know, and (laughs) it, it seemed like the only one who could pick me back up was, was me. Well, it turned out to be horses, (laughs) but that took me a while to find. (laughs) And oh, my wonderful (laughs) Joe, young Joe. (laughs) the world's youngest therapist. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote about your struggle with anorexia, how it wasn't even really addressed or called that. It was just like, whatever you, you know, like people just praised you for it or ignored it or, and you had a line later where you said, you know, if my daughter were to go into her room at five o'clock every night and eat grape nuts and that's it, like I would throw myself at her feet or like make her do this. And back then that's just like what happened. Nobody even noticed. And then of course it resurges later. Tell me a little more about that. Yeah. I mean that, I think to me that section of the book or those sections remain the, the hardest for me because, you know, I write about this moment in the book when my, the world's youngest and smartest therapist, Joe, 
is really trying to encourage me to understand that, you know, I did have reasons to be sad that there was emotional neglect in my childhood, which I was just really like, no, I wasn't neglected. They gave me everything. And, and he brought up this question of the anorexia and it, it opened up this Pandora's box where I thought like, no, I wasn't hiding it from anyone. They just decided not to say anything except for, you know, I think there's two people in the book who say something, you know, the wound reopened because I shared this book with my family Mm. And their reaction was just like, God, what was, what was in the water in the 1980s in Greenwich, Connecticut? You know, my mom was like, I don't know. I thought you were just a picky eater and I didn't want to call you out on it. You know, you were so kind of, I don't know, difficult in those days. And then my stepmother, I, I sat her down and said, you know, you're going to read some material. Because honestly, the house we lived in was just so big that it was hard to know what anyone was doing at any given time. So I thought, well, maybe they just, you know, maybe they think I'm having a banquet or something. <laughs> and um, she, you know, I sat her down and I said, uh, you know, there'll be some material in this that you might not be aware of. And I, I get into the disordered eating I had, I struggled with. And she said, without even reading it, she said, oh, we knew you were anorexic. What? Yeah. <laughs> so no follow-up, you know. So that's fine. I'll sit with that. You know, I'll, I'll sit with that, right? We have things in our families that will never be tied up with a bow or we all have our stuff. But that didn't feel great. doesn't feel great. But, you know, the gift of motherhood, if, if one is, chooses that path, is that I can try to course correct for my own child if she, you know, encounters whatever it is, yeah. right? Be a little more in her face and annoy the hell out of her and, you know, just watch out for these things. I mean, we're living in a different time, even the language that we use to talk about things, the fact that, you know, my, my daughter can choose from a variety of genders and, you know, she thinks her things are different. And so I think, um, I hope that she's growing up with a, a community of, of friends who will have the courage to say to her, if anything ever went wrong, whatever it is mm-hmm. to call her out on it and open up, you know, have a, have a, have a hard discussion instead of just this toxic silence, mm-hmm. which is so, it's so American, mm-hmm. you know, because if this had been happening now, I'm married to a Frenchman and I can tell you whenever I go back to visit his family, my family now, but you know, if I've gained an ounce, lost a pound, like I'm going to hear about it. (laughs) French people, my mother-in-law who I just love, I love so much. I, she's never greeted me without saying like, Oh, you look tired, you know, (laughs) or like the, the taking stock of the other person's appearance and, and calling them out on stuff is, um, very French. So, you know, I do think, I do think it's a, it's a, listen, it's not great, right. To walk around and comment on people's bodies and stuff, but there is, I think a dangerous middle zone where, especially now, like I, you know, we're starting to get back out in the world. I'm seeing people I haven't seen in a long time and some bodies have changed, right? Some people have gained quite a lot of weight. Some have lost a lot of weight. Some look bloated from what definitely as a daughter of alcoholics looks to me like alcoholism. And, you know, it's hard to gauge 
it's hard to gauge when you just sense with people that something's off. If I push, if I press, if I try to find what's going on, will the dam break, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that's going to flood everything? Or is this a welcome intrusion that mm-hmm. these are navigational, emotional navigational skills that we're not really taught. I mean, especially those, well, I shouldn't generalize, but I'll speak about my own experience growing, growing up in um, Connecticut, you know, the given example was to sweep things under the rug, to be good at everything, be fun, be up for everything and, you know, land a banker husband and (laughs) learn how to throw a great dinner party and, you know, whatever was happening on the side, the prescription pill bottles, the vodka, all that stuff. Like, let's just not talk about it. You know, it was very updike. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wait, let's go back to what you said a second ago about sleep, because that was Mm. also a big thing. I mean, you had serious, serious insomnia. And I mean, the way you described it with like this gray pallor you got and the, Mm -hmm. you know, anger, I mean, sleep when you're sleep deprived, well, just talk about it and I'll. Well, yeah. I mean, my, the, so I have had chronic insomnia since the unfortunate age of seven and it gets really triggered in changes in habits. So like travel or when I was younger, it would manifest with sleepovers or, or social, too much social interaction gets me a little jazzed up and it's basically an electrical current. I can't turn off periods of anxiety. I mean, there's lots of things that fuel up my insomnia, but during the year that I write about in the book, I mean, I still don't know exactly what led to it. I mean, I saw a lot of doctors. I saw a lot of holistic practitioners. I was in adrenal almost failure. So there was definitely some hormonal issues, but I, I, I stopped sleeping for almost for like two and a half, almost three months. And, you know, I would get 45 minutes here or there and two hours, even sleeping medications weren't working. Nothing could get me to sleep. I mean, people gave me all kinds of, I have beautiful friends here where I live who were running around with little Ziplocs, going to all the people and gathering up all different kinds of pills for me to try. And I mean, I tried hardcore stuff and nothing was working. It was like this, I don't know if I was trying to break myself down, like maybe fully collapse so that some other people in my life would kind of rise up and help or what. But, you know, so whenever I talk about this book, I, I, I do always say it was an insomnia fueled depression because it did not come out of nowhere. Right. When I sleep properly, I have a very positive outlook and I always have. But that precipice for me is always really close. And it's a you know, I don't think I'll ever beat beat it. it it's, it's still my insomnia makes it really hard for me to accept invitations to teach, you know, at like mm-hmm. summer writing workshops or to apply to retreats myself because I know if I stay home with my schedule that I'll be able to work, I'll be able to write, I'll be a you know a decent version of myself, but I can't I can't guarantee that if I go away. It it makes me nervous about travel. I do it, I do it anyway. I love to travel, but you know, <laughs> I do a lot of research to try to figure out, you know, are we going to end up next to a noisy, you know, it's a real, um, it's a chronic, it's a chronic illness. It's something that I just have to roll with, but I have to really, really watch out for not going past that point of social stimulation that flicks the switch and makes it impossible, even with medication 
to uh, turn it off. But, but um, yeah, the year of the horses is very much about how among all the different things I was trying, acupuncture, talk therapy, couples therapy, massage, different forms of exercise, you know, many antidepressants. It was returning to this childhood passion of mine that, that gave me a, a way out, you know, and I still, I joke with my editorial team now, like I'll require a horse at every, (laughs) on every book tour, please. Cause it has become sort of an emotional support thing (laughs) for me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, I love how you said how it was so obvious to you that you had to manipulate your own energy levels to calm down the horse, right? And like oh, yeah. the breathing, even just like calming down your breathing, how that had such a profound effect and like you had no choice or else you would be scaring the horse. Right. And you would, especially if you were on the horse and you get on and you're blocking your breath and you have your shoulders raised, which is my, my go-to duo, right? Stop breathing, raise my shoulders. Tense. The horse goes into flight, not fight, flight. And they bolt or they rear or they spin really quickly and, and throw you off because you're saying to them, oh, be very, very afraid. And they say, of what? And you, as an anxious, you know, depressed person says, I don't know. I don't know what to be afraid of, which makes it even scarier. So facing the fears that are inherent with horseback riding has literally been the most powerful and obvious healing for me because now when you know, the, the, the way I've trained myself now, because I do want to keep riding, I want to not overcome my fears, but learn how to meet them better, right? So if I'm on horse now and I see, for example, oh gosh, someone's redoing their roof down the road and there's weird things flying up, blue tarp flapping around, it's my job to really lower my heart rate, start breathing, have a heavier body, and just let the horse know like, 
hey, you're going to feel a little jittery, but I'm here and I'm calm and I've got you. And um, I'm truly able to carry that over now in a way where I wasn't before. So like, for example, I have a book coming, the, the moment at which you and I are speaking, my book's about a week out from, from publication. And, you know, if I remember how I was with my second book, a week out, I mean, I, I was awful. I was a wreck. I was doing such terrible things. So competitive, seeing how other people's books were performing, you know, it just felt like it's my book or nothing else. And I, I, I was so self-concerned and anxious and jealous and like just not in a positive space. I felt very desperate, you know, mm-hmm. about about that publication because with my first book, you don't know what the heck to expect. So it's a very nice place to be. The second, I think, is the hardest because you well, I had a nice go with my first book, right? And now I have to say, you know, some of it's just maturity, but but a lot of it is really thanks to the writing, because I just now I'm able to truly look at the weeks ahead and say, okay, here's what I can control and here's what I can't. Mm-hmm. And here's the energy I have and the emotional resources I have. And here's where I can expend them. And here's where I can. And it's just, everything feels a lot more simple. And when things start to feel not simple and frenetic, I, I just think I pick, I literally picture myself in front of a horse with the ears before it in the middle or back. And if the answer is back, which means mm-hmm. you're making me really anxious, and this is a visualization activity I do all the time, it's intrinsic to me now. I just change my posture and I change my breathing and I become heavier in my body and I calm myself down. And I, I'm able now to do that. I still have the wake-ups in the middle of the night, but I used to spiral completely into this swamp of like anxiety. It just the 2 a.m., the 4 a.m. wake-ups, I would just lose my mind, you know, like, oh my God, I won't be able to function. I'll be late with my book deal. You just start going into these crazy avenues of anxiety. And I do this visualization. I'll wake up at 2 in the morning and think, okay, that's all right. You still have many, many hours in front of you before you need to be awake. Like, I breathe, I picture the horse, I try to imagine the horse's smell. And Gen- generally it works, That's great. you know, and I'm just so grateful to have, to, to, to have that. <laughs> Amazing. I have like a bazillion more questions, but what, what book, are, what are you working on now? Do you have another novel coming or what are you, what are you doing? I feel like you always have a million projects. Well, I do. I do usually have a million projects and I started up two different projects before before I kind of really went into pre-publication mode. One, one was a proposal, nonfiction proposal, and the other was a novel. And I was like full steam ahead on both. And then I just reached a point, honestly, Zibby, where I thought, oh my God, screw it. This time, I don't know what's next. And I'm just going to enjoy, well, excuse the pun, the ride. Mm-hmm. I want to go out I'm so lucky that my publisher, independent publisher, is sending me on tour. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be centered and invest myself in this journey and take some time off. You know, I've had a book come out every two years since 2014. Honestly, it's so hard to have a book out right now that you do sometimes wonder why the hell am I doing this? (laughs) 
you know, you like work so hard and you have such an amazing editorial team and you sell 45 copies and you know, that's, that's nice. So, so I'm going to try to hustle slightly less. I'm going to try, maybe it won't work and then see, I don't know. I've got a bunch of different ideas, but I'd like to have an actual summer, you know, I'd like to have a lazy summer. One of those summers where you start, you feel bored. Like I would love to have some boredom in my life. <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah. So we'll see. And then, you know, I'm going to try to not be hurried and pick up. I'll, I'll do something, but I haven't, I haven't decided on the, the direction. So we'll see. <laughs> I love that. I, you know, even your, your whole like demeanor is feeling like very in control and intentional and mindful and all the right things, you know. Well, that's thanks to the horses because I know that people have told me like, oh my God, when I first met you <laughs> years ago, like you were too much. I didn't think, <laughs> actually Tony Perez at Tin House, who, who he's, he's no longer, a, I mean, he's sort of an editor at large, but I had like a edit, you know, I, when I went to the Tin House Writers Workshop as a student, I did one of those sit downs with a gatekeeper, right? And he was the gatekeeper he, as an editor of Tin House and he told me later because we became friends, he was like, oh my God, you were exhausting. Your energy was like this tsunami. And I thought, this is just the worst person in the world. And he said, now you're one of my favorite people. But <laughs> you know, that, that energy management, like it's something also I'm getting better at, not, not as good as I am with the horses, but with my child who in the book, I really work through like, or show, I think the reader, how my distraction and anxiety and worry was imprinting on my child who as a two and a three-year-old was just constantly crying and kicking and having temper tantrums only with me not with my husband and now it's the same thing like with her again I don't always master this but I find if I'm in that crazy place if I'm in that crazy pre-pub space where you have to be on all the platforms you have to respond to everything and set up the Facebook invitations to your events and all you know you've been there I need to do that away from her. She does not need that whirlpool mm -hmm. around her, you know, and I try, I try, I think I nail it maybe two days out of the week, but <laughs> to, if I want a calm, receptive, loving child, I need to present that front myself. And I find that in my friendships now. And like, this is all, Thanks slightly to Joe. <laughs> Gotta yeah. give Joe credit, world's youngest therapist, and to the horses. I was not able, I used to think that my frenetic energy was like fun and alluring, you know? And it's not that I'm denying my true self, it's just that manic, manic energy can make other people feel manic, you know? And that, that can be fun if you're, you know, there's, there's time and a place for very high up energy. But I now better realize or better see, I can see it like a force field. I can see because of the horses, they've trained me to see it, what, what my energy is doing to other people. I feel like you've harnessed it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, that's the thing about it's a non, this nonverbal communication, which I always believed in. But when you stand in front of a horse and see their ears pinned back for no other reason than you, whatever it is you're bringing is making them pin their ears, which is the only time the horses look unattractive and you do whatever you need to do, loosen up your shoulders and breathe and then watch the ears go forward. 
that's better than any couples counseling I ever invested in. You know, like it's pretty quick. You don't even need a riding lesson, you know? Yeah. Just need to get in front of a horse. Now don't, don't, don't take that to go trespassing on (laughs) other people's farms because the liability is, you know, but, um, equine therapy is real, very powerful. And it works for, it works for some people who are unable to find solace in therapies that work very well for other people. It's been tremendously um, beneficial for war veterans Mm -hmm. who just don't have the language perhaps because they've been kind of raised in the, in the military sphere to not talk about things and to just follow orders Mm -hmm. and asking someone who, you know, came up in that kind of environment to talk Mm -hmm. to someone on a couch and to pay them to listen. Like it, for a lot of people, that just doesn't work. And for me, I have to say, again, I love, I love Joe with all my heart and I'm so lucky to have found him. (laughs) Uh, My 23 year old psychologist, but, but um, I will say it was so resistant to therapy because I've always been able to sort things out myself. And I would just think, go for a run write a short story, mm-hmm. figure it out and move on. Like, you're not going to pay someone to listen to you. You know, you have friends, but <laughs> you know, sometimes you do need to pay someone to whatever, touch your head, yeah. <laughs> rub your shoulders, hug you. <laughs> There's a reason that professional cuddlers exist, right? Yeah. That goes back to, to your novel touch. It's yeah. like the importance of that. Well, you know, I feel like a lot of your earlier life, not even so earlier. I feel like you've been crying out. Your behaviors have been one of the, some of these like cries for help in a way, and yet still they're not heard. Right? Yeah. Like it's like, what do you do when your when your last ditch efforts to get attention fail? And what happens is you pick yourself up and you learn how to soothe yourself, which is what you did. And it's really amazing and inspiring. So I think it's really cool. And it's a great lesson for other people to find whatever their thing is and realize that sometimes we can't rely on the people who maybe we want to come forward for us, but it's it's something that has to come through from ourselves. That's true. And also I think, you know, it's it's hard, especially for women who are socialized to just kind of do all the things and spin all the plates. But sometimes we have to ask for help, you know, actually use our words and ask for help and then forgive people if the help doesn't show up in the way that our type A brains wanted it. You know, that's something I still struggle with, with my husband, like Mother's Day is approaching, right? So I have very specific ideas of what I would like him to, how I would like him to show up for me that day. And, you know, now I'm presented with choice. I can either tell him flat out, (laughs) <laughs> or hope that he'll he'll no, get my secret help. right yeah and 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 be disappointed so you know looking back now if i'd had the courage and less shame i wish i'd just gotten on the phone with a friend and said hey i need you to drive out for the weekend with like 10 boxes of mac and cheese mm-hmm. and i don't know tequila or i need a hug mm-hmm. or you know and and Instead of these vague, like, oh, I'm okay, I don't know, I'm really busy. These are 
code words, you know, so if people can start using their words and not, you know, it's, it can seem embarrassing, but you, you got to help people to help you. So if you yeah. tell someone I'm really struggling, oh, well, what can I do? Nothing. Well, that's not helpful, actually. Mm-hmm. So say to someone I'm really struggling, how could I help? It would be an enormous help if you could clean my bathroom. I don't know. Right. right. Like it'd be an enormous, I just need someone to watch Netflix with me tonight. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's these very small things. Yeah. And that makes the person helping feel so good too. Like, because oh, it's, how do you, I, I mean, do what she, right. So. It's so uh, hard when you're faced with a depressed person and they don't know what they need and you don't know. It's very overwhelming. Right. So let help people help you. <laughs> Courtney. Thank you. I personally, having known you, you know, I wouldn't say superficially, but you know, the way yeah. we know each other now, I, I, there's like this whole new level and I'm, I'm just so glad you shared it. It's amazing. It's uh, oh. anyway, thank you. And <laughs> well, thank you for, for taking the time to read my, my memoir and, and share course, it with the audience. I, I wait. so appreciate it. I was and- <laughs> so excited when it arrived and um, anyway, it's great. So thank well, you. thank you Zibi for your time and of course. Good luck and stay calm. And, yes. uh, you know, I love your board summer idea. I love it. I just love it. I hope that's, yeah, goals. Hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. Hashtag board. 2022. I wish you a little boredom too somewhere, Zimmy. I'll get there. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.